Kia ora, aotearoa, and welcome to Generally Famous. I'm Simon Bridges, and every week I talk to generally famous but always interesting guests about life, love, and what makes them tick. Today, a Kiwi singer and songwriter who's been compared to everyone from Nina Simone to Bjork, and whose distinctive and evolving style defies neat characterisation. Kimbra has had huge success winning Grammys, plural, the third New Zealander ever to do so for somebody that I used to know, won many other awards, has four studio albums, including her latest, A Reckoning, and we're going to talk a lot about that, and is today still subject to much critical acclaim, and over 8 million, I've done my homework, monthly listeners on Spotify to go with the billion, actually about 1.2 billion, who've listened to her collaboration with Gutia. Welcome to Generally Famous. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for having me. Hey, no, thank you. It's so good uh, to have you here. Um, I want to start, I suppose, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I've done my homework, as I said in the intro. I know that your dad was a doctor, your mum was a nurse, you've got a little bro, you grew up in Hamilton. We're not going to be mean about Hamilton. (laughs) I've done that in other podcasts. It's all right. It is cool, yeah. Yeah, um, but I suppose the question is superficially... um, that's not necessarily what I would think a top musical career kind of background sounds like, right? Yeah. In, in the world that you're in. On the other side of it, though, I suppose, you know, your parents were professionals, gave you maybe, I, I don't know, a security and a sense that, you know, um, you were free to pursue creativity. Yeah. What's the, what do you sort of say that kind of from your background meant you were, you were destined for what you do? Yeah, it's a good question because I know what you mean. Like, it could have gone a very different way. Um, I think my parents, like, instilled in me a work ethic, like mm-hmm. something about just the grind of, like, you know, my dad would see 30 patients a day, you know yeah. what I mean? And I had such a respect for his work and maybe the way he was driven toward making a difference. Like, that was really important to me as a kid. I was, like, a real feeler. It's very, like, spiritually inclined from a young age, really, like, a real seeker, like, you know, yes. what, what, looking for more, wanting to do more, wanting to help. And then when I started doing music and especially doing it in, in a more public setting, kind of getting that feedback that, like, wow, that really touched me or that, yeah. re- you know, it was sort of like, oh, wow, I guess, like, not only does this make me happy, but I think I could actually contribute something of worth here. So that was actually kind of how it started, was really being, you know, without sounding too preachy, it's like I guess it was kind of a bit of a calling, a, yeah, you know, a, a sense vocation. of, yeah, some, something beyond pulling me toward this. Because then you, there wasn't something else, you weren't going to be right. a doctor or an no. architect or a... I just didn't have the brain for it, you know, and, you know, I, I, at one point I was enrolled to go to AUT and study, right. but I was going to do all kinds of different weird things, and... Um, but I think my parents still knew that that's what I was going to be doing all the time, you know? And that work ethic, I mean, we're going to talk lots more about what you're doing today and your album, but that is, um, that's, you know, that's that's strong in you today. You you get up every morning and you go at your craft. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I've been very lucky in my career. Obviously, a few things have happened to me that I've like you know, musician's dream of being able to, like, strangely become a weird household name for a period of time, right? But, yeah, I also do own the fact that I've worked very hard at what I do and I treat it like 
a, a sacred work. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about spirituality. I want to talk to you about, um, I think you said something like, you know, heart on your sleeve and your causes, right? Because I know mm. there's some that you feel strongly about. But um, I think I'm right to say you were writing stuff from like eight or nine years old. That's right, yeah. You, you've, you've got a guitar not long after that. You're on what now? Yeah. You, you're singing the anthem at the NPC. <laughs> I mean, this is like, this is the ultimate Kiwi girl's dream, isn't it? Um, you, you're in Rock Quest. I was in a couple of Rock Quest, I want to say, was with in, a deaf yeah. metal band. Oh, that's that amazing. It was never placed, I have Dude, to say, playing the me, drums. Let me tell you this. No other country has a rock quest. Like, I don't, yeah. I, you know, lived in we States. We need to Australia. hold on to that stuff. It is so amazing. Like, mm. kids stayed in school to do rock quest. Like, yeah. I'm so impressed by, yeah. I wish it was a bigger thing overseas, actually. Yeah. No, I remember. I don't even know their names, but they just wrote me and they need a drummer. I was all there was, you know, which is not a strong <laughs> recommend. These guys, and, and, and if they weren't doing that, they were spotting cannabis on the stove. Oh, but I anyway, bet. that's, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the name. So that's not defamation, all right? Just legal check. Just there, um, and and then you sort of you're you're signing with an independent recording label in Melbourne in 08, which is what you're like, 17, 18, oh, straight out of high school, man. Yeah, and and at that point of time, where's the um, what to say, the creative drive, the momentum coming from? Is it still the same as what you said before? Sort of, you're working at your craft, and you it's this kind of. Um, seeking spiritual kind of finding yourself in music. And it's also like if you're getting sort of handed opportunities, you know, you go, okay, well, I'm getting affirmed that maybe this is the path to go, right? I'm getting – I think that's really crucial when you're young is like just follow kind of where the signs are are taking you. Yes. And that's an amalgamation of hard work and also just maybe sort of a fate thing of like, okay, well, there's a nice flow going towards this, so let's lean in. Um, and yeah. You mean like when my dad said I had to do law, so I did law. <laughs> bit different, quite, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky, man. My parents could have pushed me into medicine, but actually they found it a very stressful so career. They wanted, they wanted more you know? happiness yeah, for you. Yeah, I think they did, yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, I think I was ready to go when I was 17, 18. I was like, I'm, I'm pumped. Like, I feel so ready to release a record. But in terms of momentum, I was actually under management that were very careful to have me go very slow. Mm. So the producer that I teamed up with, um, who I was a big fan of because he'd worked on Gautier, <laughs> who I was just a fan of at the time, mm. uh, you know, he'd only see me one day a week. So can you imagine? You're fresh out of high school. You've been doing a million things every day, and then your whole job is to make a record. You see your producer one day a week, and then the rest of the week, I guess you're kind of writing music, which is an incredibly privileged life, but also kind of challenging and lonely and no structure. Um, so, yeah, there was actually a lot of, like, just Because I was going to say to you, because so you're off to Melbourne, you're 17, 18. I presume you go by yourself, right? Your parents, yes, that's your parents right. stay in Hamilton and you're right. sort of and, – mm. and I presume you're not going to tell me, well, you know, because it's all worked out you know, well and it's all sort of fit together at a level. But, I mean, were your parents worried? Do you feel like possibly you were forced to grow up to – um, early, um, it's a sector not known for its sort of nurturing yeah, totally. out of her. And I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but did, did it live up to its bad reputation? <laughs> I mean, look, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, bad wolves in the music industry, so to speak. Like there's just a lot of people that are out to exploit. And it's tricky when you're young. And I'll say when you are a young woman, because you're sure. not in a position to necessarily comfortably speak out and speak up for yourself and you feel you know I had a very sort of uh, an attitude like wow 
this person would take an interest in me. I'm mm. just a girl from Hamilton, you know. Like everything was just wow. So, someone, you know, and I still fall for that these days. Oh, this producer wants me to do, and then you know, things get complicated, and then they make power moves and withdraw an opportunity from you, and you realise, oh, that was actually really exploitative the whole time. And especially sure. if you ever get involved romantically in the music industry, and you realise people, you know, all the lines get crossed, and it can just be such a messy. Space um, and also, you know, artists aren't equipped to understand, unfortunately, money and running a business and stuff. Mm. So, looking back, as a gross generalization, good with money, music artists don't sort of. No, there's this very small Venn diagram thing in the middle for that. Yeah, it's really rare that you kind of get the business head and the creative mind. So, yeah, just didn't have the skills for that, Um, and. You know, that's why I know what I know now and I don't regret any of it because I'm empowered to help younger artists to be like, look, ownership is everything, you know. (laughs) I signed to Warner Brothers when they were still doing six-album record deals. So now I'm I'm actually just doing distribution on my records and I sort of have these splits that sway my way. You're still with Warner Brothers? I'm not, no. So this is the first album I made Mm. as a sort of independent artist. And a few of my friends have said that. They're like, wow, this sounds like an artist. Does that mean, well, that sounds like you're you're good with money. That means you get to cream it, don't you? (laughs) Nope. It just means everything's out of pocket, you know. It's like, of course, I'm very, you know, privileged, but it's like when you become an indie artist somewhat, you are the bank. So it's also a little bit of an unstable life when you've had the, the... Sugar Daddy of the big label. Yes. Um, And your influences back then, Mm. take me back to that teenage, 17, 18-year-old. What what was floating your boat in music at that point? Yeah, I think I had like a bit of a rebel nature with music when I was young. I, I liked people who were pushing the boundaries a bit and I liked a lot of you know, funk and, but heavy rock. I had like a metal phase as well. I loved a lot of jazz singers. I was drawn to like... Everyone needs a metal phase. Everyone needs a metal phase. Honestly, especially if you want to be like, rhythm is my language, right? Syncopation and funk. And that's why funk's amazing. But so much of like, even death metal is like, a lot of it is a lot of Latin rhythms. Like, like that sort of rhythm. And then you put big distorted guitars on. And I'm like, if you just learn rhythm and you don't think about like, oh, that's a distorted guitar, it's really abrasive. It's actually like, it's just a language. Does it lack a little bit of melody though? (laughs) Need a little more high and low? I'd listen to something else for melody. Do you know what I mean? So I just started getting really into, yeah, that's why I'd like love classical for melody or I'd love. And so I think that's really, that says a lot about who I am is I'm quite drawn to the outskirts and kind of, you know, the spaces where um, things were a little bit juxtaposed. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that's remained in the work. You're then getting given Grammys by Prince. I mean... Right, like, am I, so, you know, and again, I hope I'm being cruel because your album's amazing, but I, and I know your, your four albums, your body of work, your studio albums, are huge work, effort, creative application, I'm sure struggle, so there's mm. all that. But it's kind of like, but the Grammys... As I understand it, you work in, gotcha's there, mm-hmm. you, you lay it down, and you're out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, except for the 14 hours of body paint, nude, and the right. music video. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Well, it some, was... some people do that for fun. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like, it is just so crazy. Like, as musicians, we we think that this one thing is going to be our big break, and then it ends up being the randomest thing. Yes. You know, like the jingle you wrote for like a dumb ad or something, and then yes. suddenly that gave you the money to start your own label, and that's yeah. what, you know what I mean? So it's just, 
Oh, but you needed all the other things to be there in that room, right? Imagine if I hadn't had a record when that song dropped and I had to struggle to put together my album under the influence of a huge label. Yeah. God, I mean, I had an entire record. Yes. How do you, and just on the Grammys and, you know, Prince who, you know, one of the most singular singular artists, you know, of all all, all times in modern history. Um, How do you reflect back on that? Is it kind of like... and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is it just, well, that was awesome, that's that? Or is there any bit of sweetness about it? Because I don't know. Well, you know, Wally and I, um, Wally is Gautier, we're, we're best of friends, you know, and I think, I just look back and I think, man, how blessed was I to, like, go through that with such an amazing person? Like, it, it just to, it was a very deep time of friendship. Where's he? In uh, he's in New York, so we both, right. yeah, live there. Um, but also, I guess... I will say that I was, because of that work ethic and that sort of, I guess, somewhat perfectionism, I, I also was not always there. I was really busy and I was touring all the time and it was hard to really be super present to those moments and be like, wow, this you were is a milestone. In the future. Totally. Yeah. And I'm different now. Like, I'm way more like... You probably had to in fairness, though, back Yeah, then. I think so, too. I felt so much pressure, you know, yeah. to, keep, to keep up the momentum. And but now you- I just care less, you know. It's good. Maybe there's something we, we all – no, we don't all, but we try and do as we get older and possibly wiser. I mean, as you say, you're writing songs. Mm-hmm. You've then – because you've, you've you've got the Grammys, but you were ready to go because you'd done the, yeah. the mahi and you had your album there. Um, and you moved to L.A., and as you say, you're signed by Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, that's right. L.A.? Um, Poor – I don't know, man. It wasn't for me. It's like we all need the resistance of a city that we struggle in. I think it's important um, for your creative growth. Uh, but I moved to New York eventually. Sort of got the best and the worst of life. <sighs> totally. Uh, LA. LA. Yeah, that's very true. It is. I moved to New York eventually because the lifestyle suited me. I'm really great with spontaneity. I like having an idea and being able to execute it that moment, you know, whereas Los Angeles does have a very sort of, you set up your plan for the day, you spend most of your day in traffic, just like, just boring stuff like that, that really does get you down after a while. And I'm not about the fancy, like, fame shit at all, you know, so. And I want to come to that. Yeah. Because I I hear you. So you're upstate New York, I believe now. You've been there, what, how many years? (laughs) Well, I've just moved back to the city. So um, actually I, I, yeah, it wasn't. It was amazing during pandemic, but I think again, my, enough of those beautiful trees yeah, and the squirrels too many mountains, and a little bit of snow yeah. and mountains. <laughs> but real, hard to I, get a hard yeah. to get a coffee. But remember, I'm from New Zealand, so I do get to the, the perfect life. I have the needs promised both land. Of them. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I've yeah. realised that I, I thrive best in the two ends of the spectrum. You know, mm. complete contemplation and a little bit of chaos. Change is as good as a break, whatever they say, right? I think yeah. changing things up makes a big difference. What, what's what's normal, in quotes, life look like for you now? I'm just trying to, yep. I mean, you know, because in, 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 in New Zealand, you know, you're a pop star mm-hmm. and all of that. But, you know, I presume you have a kind of a normal. Totally. You know, you wake up, you have some breakfast. <laughs> totally. You want to know? Yeah, I'll tell you everything. Okay. Not um, everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have a dog. So honestly, it's a very domesticating part of my life. Um, she's a big part of my life. What sort of dog are we talking? Shiba Inu. They're a Japanese breed. Beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the day's wrapped up and making sure she's taken care of. And um, What's her name? Nadi. 
Uh, yeah, she's great. Uh, so I like to cook. I specifically cool. like to cook Ethiopian food. I'm very Wonderful. like niche. We got to come to Ethiopia. I've been to Ethiopia. Have you? I've been as yeah. well. Yeah. In my sort of like. Um, it's not all about me, but if I stick in Parliament, Amazing. no one else wanted to go to Ethiopia and someone yeah. from the Parliament needed to go. Wow. And uh, and I took my wife and I remember she was crying within about four mm. minutes, actually, yeah. and we, you know, just the malnutrition. and oh, yeah. But beautiful people, just amazing yep. country. We still have... Um, this is so superficial, but sort of trinkets, mementos, some great big Ethiopian crosses. Oh, and amazing. I don't know, somehow, oh, yeah. I still think it's the best trip I did as a member of parliament. And I did oh. a lot of trips. Yeah, I bet you right? did. Um, it's, uh, so we, we, anyway. It's, no, I'm in agreement. I'm just taking over here. This no, is no, 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 no. That's great. I Ethiopian mean, food. Yep, Ethiopia. I get very niche about certain things I'm into, you know, watercolours. Less likely to get um, a bad stomach from your Ethiopian food, I'm guessing. I, I was <laughs> you not can well handle it. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of spices. And yeah, so I like that. I mean, I try to, you know, I, I like to move my body and do yoga and, um, you know, take time for silence throughout the day. And, uh, you know, I really invest in my relationships and friends. Mm. I like to have people over for dinner. Um, Big group of friends or small group of. I'm more of a person hosts. that has, yeah, like a real tight five or six. You know, and like, actually, yeah. you an extrovert or an introvert? I'm an introvert. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do get drained from uh, from crowds. I suspect yeah. the best. Well, it's a gross generalisation, but but many of the best um, artists are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the stage is where we come alive. So you know, yeah. in music, of course, I'm highly extroverted, yeah. but. As soon as... Um, well, it doesn't mean you're scared of people. It just right. means That's you... That's a good, yeah, you, you know, differentiation. You don't want to be with 17 people talking at you. And it's just about energy reserves. Like yeah. some people are genuinely built up from time socially and others are, are drained, you know. I'm going to talk about your music in a second. Well, you want to talk about it. But yeah. um, has it been a... I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but has it been a hard life? Hmm. I mean, you think, you know, it's sort of... I know it's all you know, but... It, it's it? No, it's a good question. I mean, you know, because I have been exposed to so much of the world, you know, especially places like Ethiopia, I'm well aware that, you know, I know, I know what a hard life looks sure. like. And um, I've walked into this world with a ton of <laughs> things going for me, in term, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, uh, but... Well, you grew up in Hamilton. I, mean, <laughs> I was off to a great start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, won the, you won the location lottery there, I my know, friend. I know, I love it. I, I freaking love Hamilton. Um, so I will say it's been a bit of a I low... I mean, it's basically a suburb of Auckland <laughs> these days, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's been a bit of a lonely life at times. Yeah, so maybe not... Highs like, and lows? Oh, for sure. I mean, look, artists, especially like myself, we're, we're deeply sensitive people, and, mm. you know, feel a lot. Um, so... You know, when when you have it, when you take a loss, whether it's an end of a relationship or a death or anything, you know, you're really you're in it, and and then you have to go on the road, and there's not a lot of time. There's a lot of turning up and doing game face, mm-hmm. and I'm not very good at the whole fake it till you make it thing. So that's been challenging at times to have to live up to an ideal um, when sometimes it's just not how you feel turning up that day. Yes, um, and you know, you don't parallel with your friends through uni and get to live together and do the parties, and you know, you've got a, a life that you know a niche amount of people really understand. So, lonely is maybe a better word. Hard, oh, of course, but I'm a human. You know, we've all had hard stuff. I'm no, you know, not any more potent in my world, except that perhaps you're just a little bit more of a public face. I suppose if you worked in a um manual job or even an office job, you know, every day it's kind of 
there right. and you know and you go home and you watch watch Netflix and yep. you get up in the morning and that's whereas I imagine your world has a lot of highs and lows that's right no, you know you're, right you're on that. it's unbelievable and then it's kind of like yeah I got the same breakfast in the morning I don't know it just seems no, no, yeah. you're absolutely right there's a lot lot of um peaks and troughs and but you know the reason why I wouldn't change that is I get this great privilege of getting to like really feel my feelings, mm. you know, and I think we're learning how important that is because that life that you're talking about, that's a bit more of the like, yep, we do the same thing every day. We do the, what we risk is rep- repressed feelings and yes. not facing stuff. And we just going through the loop and then life hits you with something and you, you know, that's it. You can't handle it. So I get this great privilege of getting to kind of do th- therapy every day and, you know, process what I'm going through and turn it into something beautiful. I mean, what an honor to take the broken something so hurtful that happened to me or, and be like, I want to create something, a melody out of this that's mm. going to make you cry. Mm. I mean, this is, I don't take it for granted for one second. Amazing. I'll let you, because you live in the US, um, claim the fifth on this if you want, but do you ever see yourself moving back to New Zealand or is it a case that honestly it's for what you do in your creative um, world too small and you can't get what you need here in this, you know, if I put it that way, small, yeah. my words are not yours, but small pond. Right, yeah. I mean, it's just, like, the population is just really small, right? Some so even just of, to Some suburbs in New York. Yeah, right? right, exactly. So just to even be, like, sustainable, just thinking practically, right, from a money standpoint. But, I mean, God, I do think about that. I, I can't explain how relaxed I am as a human being here. Like, I just, I exhale and I just kind of... It's home. I have such a connection to the nature as well, you know, the forest and the volcanoes and the lakes. I mean, the lakes are where I first started writing. Mm. Like, that's where I was compelled to sing was when I looked out at landscapes. Um, it is it is really far away from the world, yes. you know. So I think there is something where I'm someone who quite likes to be in the thick of it, you know. And, uh, and I, I actually think it's really great as a human being to be kind of faced with the issues every day, you know, on the subway. Like, you're seeing homelessness right in front of you. You're seeing political, you know, warfare, basically. And you're, you're having to be forced to engage, which I think is healthy for a person like me. But time of life, right? Like, absolutely the idea of having children and not integrating New Zealand into their lives is unthinkable for me. Like, You're 32. I am, yeah. So 30s changes a woman, right? Like, just got to think about the bigger stuff. And, yeah, so I do have a dream, honestly, of being able to to sort of do do both in, in line with that mm. creative stuff of, like, what would it look like to spend yeah. summers or just do it a good half of the year in, in, in New Zealand and then back to the grind, go tour, where my biggest market is the States and actually, you know, Mexico and Latin America. So having that access to countries without doing, you know, what are we talking, 16 to 20-hour flights, your body changes too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you can't yeah. do the grind like you used to. Yeah, no, there's a long way. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, we've just established your adult life has been offshore, yeah. right? Um, I suppose you've really answered for us what you miss about New Zealand. I agree with you on the lakes. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, well, the lakes are underestimated, New Zealand Kiwi Lakes. They're I fantastic. Know. My wife, who's from the UK, uh, thinks that as well. Let's, that wasn't a question, by the way. I thought no, there might have just... been a question there, but, you know, that's, <laughs> let's talk music. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, you know. <laughs> crazy you thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? What a crazy thing. Um, your songwriting, where do they come from? 
Is there a generalisation you can make about that or is it just... Well, you know, every songwriter is different. Some people are really words-focused. Yeah. So the words come first. They have a concept, they've got a poem. Um, I'm interestingly rhythm-focused, so I have to feel the beat in my spirit. I have to... So maybe I'll be out with a friend and there'll be like a drum circle in the park and I'll be like, oh, oh, and I'll get out my phone, I'll ro- record it, then I'll play the rhythm back to myself and then maybe recreate it, you know, on the computer with my drum samples. That might be a starting point. Um you know, rarely but beautifully, sometimes a melody will come from the ether and I'll be singing it in my brain. I have to create a sound world before I get into lyric. Um, so don't you, don't, you, you don't sit there and you think, this song's going to be about that guy who really screwed me over. I'm going to give him a kicking <laughs> well, I mean, look, I lock it away for sure. It's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know it's coming in a song, but I'm waiting for the sound bed that's going to support that. Sometimes I'll create a chord progression. I'm like, this sounds like the way that guy screwed me over. Mm. So now I'm going to write about that because those chords are like sticky and clustered and they're making me feel the tension of that relationship. So that's how it works for me. But then, of course, like like everything, then a song comes along, breaks all the rules. You make a poem, you sit down at the piano, and it happens in a freaking hour. Like there's really no – that's the beauty. So as a generalisation, you are perspiration more than inspiration – you work at it. You 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 get it together. You you haven't got the words. You're um and and as we know from you, you know it's 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 layered. And I presume it's has iterations oh, and yeah. can come out quite differently once you, once you're um by the final product. Absolutely, yeah, multiple versions. Yeah, perspiration is interesting because you're right that that's a really important part of the songwriting process. But at the very inception. The less work, the better. I think it. I think of it as following a little, you know, like a there's a molecule that's glowing in the air, and you're like, where's it going to go? And you just, it's pure inspiration. It's got to be. It's got to feel like you're you're just servicing something that's coming. That's already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that rhythm thing, though, right? Like you hear something, and you're like, your body's moving. Why is it? So you're following. You're following what's happening here. You're not working. You're not working at all. You're just. You're just. Yeah. Almost subconscious. Subconscious, yep. Primal, maybe, is the word. Absolutely. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. I remember um, reading, I don't know what you think about Alton John, I'm not a massive fan because he he only gave me half a show. Oh, um, really? Bummer. Back in New Zealand. He didn't give the money back. But anyway, we're not going to go there because I've told that story too many times. Um, he, in his book, describes that basically if it comes to him in 15, 20 minutes, he's got a song. If it doesn't, he discards it, right? I love he's that. He's a rare kind yeah, of, yeah, a, yeah. right? I think, I think possibly more more have to work at it and and neither's right or wrong right I mean people are just um, 
weirdly and wonderfully made and there's all sorts of ways of doing it. Yeah. I, I referenced Nina Simone Bjork, um, but who do you say your influences are? Yeah. Well, these days my influences probably fall into the realm of um, experimental R&B. I think there's so much great work going on in the sort of Frank Ocean and SZA, Chloe and Hallie, Kendrick Lamar. I mean, you know, I look to a rapper like that and I think, wow, like not only is the musicality just like out of control, it's jazz basically, but the messaging is so crucial for, you know, for, for young black men. And I don't know, so just like artists who are just kind of on a mission, um, but also unafraid to push pop music, you know, really, really, because it's the one genre that I really think we can Treat it like a melting pot. It doesn't have to be rules. No. Um, yeah. What are you listening to now? Right now. Um, <laughs> is it that same sort of list or is I it? So, I mean, honestly, when I when we talk about what's a normal day for me, I listen to a lot of like Philip Glass and Steve Reich and yeah. like just avant-garde composers that make a lot of really repetitive and contemplative music. So I don't actually listen a lot to music with vocals when it's just my general um yeah, like day to day. I love. Why is an, that? Uh, why is that? Yeah, I think. I think again, it's like I'm training my brain to listen for things that aren't obvious. Because mm. obviously, I'm going to love like an amazing soul singer, you know. But what do I pick out in something that's like a film soundtrack? That's going to make me listen differently because my ears are my. They're that's my where all my work comes from, is from listening, you know. Um, I love an artist called Banks, an American artist, um, and I'm actually talking to her right now, so like it's blowing my mind that an artist I was obsessed with is now someone I might hmm. potentially be working with. But So I'd, I'd put her name out there. Um, there's another artist called Yeba out of the States, a fantastic singer. So there's a couple that I put on at the moment on my Spotify. Actually very modern. I thought you might give me some oldies. That's true. I have, I've always People been like that. People often say Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Oh, back in the you. day, bro, I was like, obsessed. But now it's too – now it reminds me too much of being in high school, so I yes. can't listen to Jeff Buckley anymore. Yeah. It's, isn't it crazy to think about him that if he'd – who knows what would be happening if he was still here. He might be a washed-up has-been who kind of hadn't produced another good work or it right. might be, you know, he might have moved on and have the same – um, still be an influence because he I was moving he on to greater and greater I things. I think by the sounds of where it was going, that sketches for my sweetheart record, I think he was on to, he was moving into some really like cool soul, even like some songs on that are kind of R&B, you know, like a mm. lot more, it would have been amazing to see where he would have gone. Yeah. Seems to me you and him are kind of doing something similar, which is you're both aiming for the sublime or the transcendent. Thank you for saying that. You're trying that. to, yeah. and, and, and very well too, and I mean that genuinely. That was going to be my next question, actually. I've given you the answer, which has been audio me. I mean, what are you trying to do? I like to come up with mission statements because I think it's good. I've always been, here's how I'll say it. It's really easy to give up in this industry and to kind of be like disillusioned. And so you've got to have your mantras, so to speak. Like, why are you doing this? Like, what are your values? What is important to you? So I do think about it a lot. And my recent one that I came up with is, I give people permission to feel and dream. Like, through my music, I give them, because I don't think we get a lot of spaces that we feel mm. that real permission to let loose, to be free, to sing at the top of your lungs, to feel stuff that's really difficult and hard. So I like to think of that, that when you come into my concert or you put on my record, it's a space where you feel that permission to to um, 
to let go and expand, hopefully. And I suppose music does that in a way almost nothing. Maybe good literature does as well. Yeah. Primal or something or subconscious. Totally. Takes you to places you wouldn't go if you're just kind of thinking it through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's unreasonable question because I don't think you will, but would you categorise what you do? I mean, you're, you're not soul, jazz, funk, pop. You're kind of... You're trying to be all of that, aren't you? Or you're, yeah. or you're taking from all of that? Yeah, it's probably my blessing and my curse in the music industry. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like probably given me my edge, but then probably restricted me from different kinds of commercial success because maybe it doesn't fit. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you that because I think um, I've heard you say before, you don't, you don't want your music to be safe. You know, you, mm. you want to experiment, challenge, push into places that aren't stereotypical, right? I mean, that's... That is and true. That's, and that's amazing, but... Isn't there, and maybe the trade-off's one you don't care enough about so it doesn't, but there is a trade-off, isn't there, which is that if you do that, you'll get the critical acclaim from those music magazines that mm. no one reads, yeah. um, you know, but but have their influence yeah. in, in, in their own sort of worlds. Um, but you you don't get the, the superstardom of, you know, I don't mean to be mean to these artists, oh, no. but an Adele or a Taylor Swift or an Ed Sheeran. Totally. Who kind of, you know what Ed Sheeran is, he's doing supermarket yep. music. Yeah, and he's going to give you it every time, you know, and that's that's a beautiful consistency that people have with that artist. So you accept that trade-off? I do, yeah. I mean, but also like, it's, yeah, we think we know the music game and then it completely surprises us. You know, like the Gautier song should never have become a hit. It was just yes. not geared toward that, I think. Yes. Um, a lot of record labels will say they saw it coming, but I do not believe them. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm never one to assume my what my my career could take a whole nother turn in my 40s. You know, what about actresses that get their massive breaks in their 50s or whatever? Mm. It's like, you know, I could get into composing and become mm. a film score person. I could, Or I could drop an album and one song could be like a real radio success. You just need a Kate Bush <laughs> moment where one of them goes on Stranger, <laughs> Th- Stranger Things. Exactly. And it's all on. Exactly. And she's had a lot of difficult times yeah. trying to, to get, you know, mainstream success. So, I mean, absolutely. It's just... Honestly, the simplest way I can put it is I just want to make stuff that I really want to listen to that's exciting to me because that's how I'm going to literally make people excited about mm. it is they see that it's like cheating and lying otherwise. If I make a song that I just think is utter crap, but I'm telling you to like it and vote mm. for it and do all that, it's like what, it's not authentic at all, you know. So, yeah, you're right. It's a trade-off. Um, I, I think fame and money um, have great great uses in the world though because when I went to Ethiopia and of course realised and not just Ethiopia I mean god New Zealand and America I mean mm. god the issues are everywhere but I realised I was like man money is pretty amazing eh? like to be able to really change shit up like mm. really make a difference like yeah so in, in some ways I think that it's kind of healthy also to be driven to be successful in your career when you know why you want to do it like I didn't care about that stuff when I hated being you know famous and all of that and I was like I don't really want any of that life but then when I um saw more stuff that I really wanted to give you know help with then it kind of made me be like damn let me get hella strategic about my career you know let me be a businesswoman about this (laughs) you know so it just yeah it ebbs and flows um I've been listening to your podcast uh, which is very new um playing with fire I loved it and um I mean, I'm probably repeating myself, but I said earlier I'd come back to spirituality. I mean, it seemed to me a lot of what you're trying to do is is um, music uh, is a, your path, and maybe it's everyone's or a lot of people's path. And we're joking around it before we got on the 
this podcast, you know, it's your path to that and yeah. and transcendence. What sort of spirituality and transcendence look like to you? Yeah, the podcast talks about uh, crucial moments of transcendence in people's lives. So just that moment where you became acutely aware that you're connected to, you know, much more than just your own experience. Um, and then what I like to say is like spirituality is, is sort of about the initial moment of, you know, awareness or connection to a collective consciousness. And then it's practice, you know, and not like doing your scales, but practice in the sense of like turning up to a practice. So what does that look like for you? Is it meditation? Is it prayer? Is it yoga? Is it um, walking in nature? Is it drawing? Like people have all kinds of ways of practicing a relationship. Spiritual to, languages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so mine have diversified over the years. I think silence, you know, contemplation is really important to me. Community, like gathering people around and being able to like get on that level, you know, where we just like really support each other on that path. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it also, I found it hard to talk about stuff like this because we have a very limited attention span with it and we like to box people really quickly. You go, oh, you think like that? Cool, you belong to that group. And I think that's really unhelpful. So I started the podcast to um, have like a space on my terms, <laughs> you know, with that, no middleman, translating it into sound bites for me, but like a space where I could really explore all kinds of um, diverse spiritual paths and, and transcendent moments, as well as sharing some of my own insights on that, in a really safe space where we had, a, if we want, an hour to talk about it. And mm. so we should. These are big topics that deserve a big space and an amount of time. So I feel really strongly about that, you know. And I'm just really thankful for the platform of podcasts, like that we're moving away from just those snappy headlines sure. that, you know what I mean? Just like make you dumb. It makes people dumb. Yeah. Less informed. <laughs> yeah, actually. totally. It's a scary thing when news makes people less informed, which I think yeah. is, yeah, there is a danger with. Um, I've thought about going on one of those. And I know you can do it like in the Buddhist tradition, obviously the right? Christian. A retreat. Uh, tradition, you know, where you, where you don't speak for a week. I'm just not sure I could handle it. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, look, the, the the importance is having a practice of silence before you go. Yes. If you can get 20 minutes into your day and then you take five days on retreat, yes. I think it's absolutely manageable and can be life-changing. I've, I've found a lot of rest in, in those times. It's fantastic. How does, um, how does live performance fit into it all for you? I mean, are you... Uh, not, I mean, this is a bit silly, but, you know, is it studio or live or you, you just... You like it all? It's live. Yeah, that's the... The real deal. That's the real deal for me. Yeah, I make records to, to get on stage and sing them, yeah. And and the validation that comes from that, I presume, is um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's important. Yeah, no, I mean, artists are total narcissists. We need it as much as other people need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need to be told we're we great. All? Oh, my God, we're such self-absorbed <laughs> assholes. It's modern no. world we live in. <laughs> yeah, no, of course I need it. I mean... But it's conversational. Like, it really is conversational when I get on stage. I'm just as interested in your reaction to what I do as I am to, you know, um, what I'm doing. It's like, it's a, it's a place of worship. Not worship, because I don't believe in the artist being messianic, but, like... They are very similar to church services, I know what you though, mean. aren't they? Yeah, People put their mean. hands up. They do. They're in I know. euphoria. I know. But in a great live performance, what happens is you actually feel a dissolution of the egos of people on stage and in the crowd, and you actually just feel like you're all kind of one, I think. That's been the most powerful moment for me. What would you prefer, a, a small venue, you know, a pub or whatever it is, intimate seating or a... A Wembley or a oh, medicine garden. Well, this is another thing I've thought about great fame. Like thinking about getting to a stadium size, I'm like, 
I don't know, eh? If that would be for me, like quite a different concert. Yeah, would I get, would I even see their eyes? No, maybe not. No. And eyes are everything for me. Like if you've been to one of my shows, I'm like hardcore on eye contact. I'm really into like staring into your soul. <laughs> but um, you would yeah. not see their eyes. No, I love a good 500 cap room. That's beautiful. Mm. You know, a few nights there. You know, if I got to that point where I could do a residency at a, at a, at a theatre, that'd be great, yeah. And you've recorded and toured with, I mean, I've got John Legend. I, am I right to say Snoop Dogg? He's I'd on like a to song get of him, mine, yeah. I'd like to get him into a podcast. I feel like we've done about <laughs> 10 where somehow he's come up, people have been on the, oh, man. the rantan with him or, you know, he's, he's shaking their hands or something. Yep, um, you've toured with, I mean, some legit Beck, yep. Odessa, uh, David Byrne, obviously Talking Heads fame. Any big ones I've missed? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, we, we were on the road with Foster the People for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, yeah, I mean, we've played festivals with all kinds of artists, of course, Tame Impala and sort of huge acts that, that we've sort of grow, kind of come up with, you know, alongside. And um, no, those are the big ones. Yeah, The Roots. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, live music is such a collaboration on stage is a really special thing. Like when you're getting to be in that moment with because it kind of all the all the celebrity stuff of like oh this art is so much bigger than me or whatever it's like when you just get into that space you're just both musicians jamming you know I love that it's so humbling like working with massive artists on on stage because they just become another mate you're jamming with amazing what a privilege um, <laughs> and you're also um, I mean you're a notable music producer I, I don't have a good sense of this who what when I mean what what give me a sense of that well I have not re- you know produced for other artists up until now. I'm right. making my first, uh, I guess I'm producing for a young artist in America, uh, her EP. So, yeah, maybe that's something for the future. It's pretty different. Like I, I like it, but um, it's weird being like under pressure to work to deadlines, you know, because you're like responsible for their record. And usually I'm the one that's kind of like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a different and more administrative job. But I love like the vision aspect of a producer that you're helping um, helping someone draw out what they want to say. And because of your objectivity, you can see it better than they can, mm. in a way. You know, have not you to written be... songs for others that are on their albums? I have, yeah. I mean, you're you know, a superlatively good songwriter. I would have thought that's, that's part of the gig as well. Thank you. Yeah, I have done a bit of that. Um, one song on my new album called Gun was actually written in a Rihanna writing camp that I was invited to. And it got really close to making it on her album. And then they you know, sort of changed some things at the very end, didn't make it on. So I was like, oh, all right, well, I guess I'll just leave that in the iTunes folder. Then I went back to it one day and I was like, you know what? If I changed the production and made it a bit more in my world, I could totally release this song. And it's a great, I mean, I believe it's a great song, you know, because it was also I wrote it with these like really empowered, like badass bitch kind of lyrics because I'm writing for Rihanna, you know, so I was like, she can say, you know, all these lyrics. And I was like, I could never say that about me. And then I was like, why can't I say that about me? (laughs) You know, like I, I'm I'm an empowered woman too. So it was kind of a real like cool move to, to, to be in that headspace of writing for someone else, but then actually reclaiming it, you know? Would you have got good coin if she had taken it? Oh, Yeah. Of course. Uh, keep keep you in the manner to which you're custom for another year or something. I mean, that's... Um, ownership, is every, the, ownership is everything. Rihanna um, writing camp. That's Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's, yeah. that's, I thought I knew it all. But the, look, a few quick ones and then we'll come into your album. Uh, your favourite collab? Favourite? 
Okay. Um, well, a really big one for me was Daniel Johns from Silverchair. Right. So he actually ended up writing about four to five songs on the record with me performing. And what was cool is I'd bring in artists like Thundercat and huge kind of, you know, LA-based musicians and put them in a room with, like, Daniel Johns from Silverchair. Like, just that was really interesting to me to kind of create, facilitate really weird collaborations. And that's more the producer mind, right, who thinks, oh, that would be really cool with that. Um, I'd say that was just really special just because he was such a, an inspiration of mine um, since I was a young kid. Yeah. Having Questlove play on the new record, like being there and, pro- you know, producing him, telling him what I wanted, giving – I mean, yeah, that was pretty massive too. Your favourite tour? Um, let's see. Favourite tour? I think it would have been touring the, the Golden Echo, um, which was my second album. I – brought a lot of the LA musicians that played on that record out with me and it was such a raucous live band this was around the time we did you know David Letterman and some really great you know Fallon and just we were doing a lot of TV performances and I just the band was just so on fire you know like we just the musicality of the performances I was in my total you know I'm just going to do whatever I want phase so it was like there was a real lack of self-consciousness um that was really, yeah, I remember that state tour, State's tour being kind of like, wow, you know, this is so fun. <laughs> yeah. Current musician you look up to the most? Ooh, um, let's see. I think it probably actually would be Kendrick Lamar. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the artist that, because I saw him recently um, in New York and it just, it just made me realise how far you can take live performance, like mm. with choreography and visuals and, and, and again, just sort of a really, especially in a culture like hip-hop, it, you know, it, it can get quite re- repetitive and tedious, a lot of the music production and everything as well. So I just look at him as kind of, yeah, almost got that slightly profit vibe as well where he's coming into a world that, that really needs him, I think, and, and is making music that's like real legacy stuff. Like I think it'll really like last. For, put it this time. way, what about favourite dead artist? Dead artists, ooh, man. Um, There's a few of them, but... Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I think for me that would be... Actually, like, I'm a pretty big fan of Billie Holiday. Hmm. And, like, I I just think, yeah, that's an artist that I listen to a lot and have taken a lot of sort of inspiration from and just I think she's probably one of my favourite of the real, you know, old school kind of singers. And I recently watched the film about her and was just really re-inspired to go back to a lot of that catalogue. Um, yeah. Great pick. You've got a um, you've got a new album out, A Reckoning. Tell us about it and what you're trying to do with it. I started off this record with an interest in the subject of anger and conflict. Um I was living in New York right when all of the George Floyd stuff took off and, like, you know, protests on my street every day and um, COVID was just beginning. And it was just like a, a time where I was also confronting a lot of my own sort of struggles with big feelings, let's say, you know. And anger is a interesting emotion because <clears throat> when when it's used to, you know, 
when it's used in unhealthy ways, it's sort of the, the most destructive force in our world, right? It's like behind violence and everything. But when it's used for good, like in a protest or kind of standing up for yourself at work or when it's, you know, it's actually life force and it's vitality and it's, it's sexuality. I mean, so much of the life experience comes from a place of, you know. So I went in exploring that. It actually had a very strong concept. And I had the title, A Reckoning, even before everything became a reckoning in the world um, because I wanted to be confrontational. That's how I move through my feelings is I confront them. I, talk, I, say, I say them to myself and I, let, I heal them that way. So that's how it started. And then as I went down that journey, of course, I discovered that a lot to do with anger is also surrender and vulnerability. And that's why the first single was Save Me, which is such a sort of expression of powerlessness, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's how you if you first admit powerlessness, then you can build. That's why AA always starts to surrender, right? All the great world religions always start with surrender prayer. It's like, yeah, there's something to that. Um, and then I really just let myself explore all sides of that subject throughout the record. Your um, single uh, replay in yeah. the video I, I thought was quite challenging and confronting. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's what's that about? Well, I mean, it's... Uh, a journey into the psyche, you know, and into our neuroses as human beings and into the cyclical, intrusive nature of thoughts that, again, we don't always want to think about and kind of distract ourselves from. But I guess that's just what I do. Like I said, I don't really like to make super safe music. So a confrontational aspect is important to me because it leads me to what I want to say with the next single. You bet. Music is always reactive, right? I, my next song is a song I wrote for my daughter. Hmm which is all about motherhood. Mm. But it's in reaction to, you know, something that's very subversive and, mm. cha- yeah, right, challenging. When you say your daughter, your daughter that is yet to be. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, future daughter. Yeah. And when you talk about that reactive, um, how has your music changed between vows and a reckoning? Well... In the early days, I think I was quite interested in fantasy and, like, the whimsical side of life, right? Like, and all my dresses, like, I dressed like a Disney character. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and I had this hairstyle and I was very, like, Was it sort of Harajuku cartoon. or something? Yeah, yeah, I was a bit like a cartoon and I think that was cute and beautiful and, like, but probably also, like, a little heartbreaking, you know, that I didn't totally feel like I could really be myself because I was, like, I, I had to put on so much makeup and hair, like, to feel like I could present... Um, and again, like I'm so proud of the work I've done. It's just that my evolution has been learning to become more and more comfortable with myself, um, become more and more revelatory about what I live with in my life, what I, you know, and uh, probably a little more grounded in my own experience. I've always written about my own stories, but I'd kind of, you know, decorate them in fantasy and in sort of whimsy. Whereas now it's like, you know, I write lyrics like, I don't know, there's just some very difficult lyrics in this new music, you know, saying out loud, I lack the courage to take care of myself. I don't want to say that to people. I wouldn't have said that stuff back then, you know, because it would have been like, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to. Now I realize that art is is telling the truth, you know, so so say it and just a little less scared to be the judged. Since then you're, you're saying your music and I suppose you as a person are you saying this as well? You're, you're more... Um real and authentic today you know who you are and I suppose that's again we that's what happens as you age and you mature I think you're right for everyone right it's like you just get more and more down to the essential yeah. which just, just starts 
stripping away the layers. And that's not to say the layers are bad. They're so important and they're great and they're psychedelic and they're fun. But it's cool to be able to peel them away and just get to that core, um, that core truth that we all need to hear, you know? I was going to ask you about your causes and so on. We, we talked a bit about that. I, I, I suppose I, I want to ask you this. You're 32. The world is your oyster. Um, you know, thinking about the future, um, what, what's, I mean, there's a lot left, but what's what's left on your bucket list in terms of you? What are the obvious things you see for yourself that you kind of say, I still got to do that? Totally. Got to do that. Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, I have my little, like, dreams of, <laughs> I'd love to release a book of poetry, for example, and like really, you know, do something without melody that's really in the word field. Um, I'd love to, like I said, you know, really like make a mark on the certain causes that I really care about. Um, you know, they, they range from, yeah, like the woman that I've been really lucky to support in Ethiopia, HIV mm-hmm. positive, starting True. businesses. Is that the core uh, with um, Terza? So Terza is another organisation I work right. with as well that are more based out of Kenya. Uh-huh. Um, I'm really passionate about mental health in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's something I'd love to be um, more involved with. You know, I think that's a hard thing. About and am I right? Or it might have this, yeah. this is something you feel you've struggled with? Oh, of course. I yeah. mean, God, <laughs> I'm a singer in the music industry. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, and, and we all have to a certain degree. Sure. It's just how much we're willing to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that direct experience is powerful, though, for young people, right? Um, and... And when I say make a mark, I'd like to like, you know, have the time and effort to like make it a, maybe a priority for a period of time. Um, other goals. Yeah, I do have I do have dreams of um, of doing more kind of composition work, you know, like working, writing for things like films. And, um, you know, there's so much exciting stuff going on in like TV series and movies that it's like I love that that intersection of musicians and um and movies, and I'm such a big movie buff too, so <laughs> that would be fun. You've referenced a couple of times, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but you know, um, your future daughter, um, you, 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 yeah. it's perhaps cheesy, but you know, what you, one of your songs, great song, did hugely well uh, on Vows is Settle Down. I yeah. mean, is that is that white picket fence there for you, do you think, sort of in the future in a more, um, 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 uh, I, don't know, I don't know what I'm just going to say, conventional, but that's mm. wrong. Mm. Um, or is that is it incommensurate at a level with the the musical success that you're talking about? Yeah, I guess I I don't think any longer that having kids has to be synonymous with a white picket fence. You know, it's like sure. I you know I love the idea of actually raising kids half in New Zealand, half in New York. I think uh-huh. it'd be awesome to grow up with that kind of diversity, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, man, I definitely want to be a mum. Like, I think that's like an amazing. Opportunity, if I can have one, you know, I never want to assume that I can, but um, yeah, so that's on the cards, and so that makes you get strategic about what I want the next few years to look like. I plan on releasing a lot of music, mm. I'm working on three other albums right now, like that have a fully track listed 10 have you song put albums. out what you've done right now. How many more albums would you have? It would be four, yeah, <laughs> it'd be this one and three others, yeah. No, I mean, you know, yeah, my friends know it's like that's what I'm working on. is a real body of work, um, which is honestly just because I was bored and depressed during COVID. So it's not because I'm a genius. It's just because I've just... COVID so was an amazing time in that regard, yeah. though, I suppose, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, in some ways, yeah. No, I know. Got its issues. But I wrote a book. <laughs> it's got its issues. It's not going to get as many plays as the stuff you do. But, you know, so sometimes that's got what happens. It's got its issues. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Um 
for coming on Generally Famous. I'm going to wrap up by asking the questions we ask every guest. They're called General Knowledge. Um, what's the best night out you've ever had? Ooh. What a tough one. Um, trying to think where in the world it would have been. You know what I mean? Like where, what country like would it have been? outside of Hamilton. <laughs> I left Hamilton when I was 17, so I couldn't even, like, go to a bar and yeah. get a beer. <laughs> so I haven't really had many crazy nights out in Tron. Um, yeah, I mean, my favourite nights in life are generally when I'm with, like, my favourite people, yeah. um, you know, and they're probably not that wild. Like, you know, everyone wants, like, you to say, like, the night I, yeah, met Mariah Carey or something. It's like, yeah, it's just more probably, like, having really great food, cooking for a bunch of my friends. Um, great night out would be like listening to lots of great music, maybe having like a, a movie night where we all watch like a horror movie and like, yeah, hang out with my boyfriend or something. I don't know. Like I'm just one of those people that really likes quality time over like a big blowout night on the piss. That's great too, but I don't know. <laughs> Who would you most like to be trapped in a lift with? I think it would be interesting to spend time with someone who uh, had power in the world so that, like, you know, if you had a conversation, maybe you could change their mind and, like, make them, like, do something different in the world. Um, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably say someone in politics, like Barack Obama or something. Like, just I'd, I'd be interested to speak, to, to spend, what was it, locked in a room? In a lift. In a lift. <laughs> yeah. Just, just sitting there. Yeah. Standing there. No, I really think he'd be a, an amazing person to contemplate life with and like to get the inside scoop on really what it is like at that level of government. Like I I think that would be fascinating to talk to someone who like really tried to make a change, got there in some ways, could you know, yeah, someone with that level of like intellectual stamina would be interesting to me. Fantastic. Look, um, I like to save the most important ones last. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Hmm. Um I would be a dolphin. I think they're known for their their intellect. They're, they're probably witty. Um, I think they make some beautiful noises, and I am a singer after all. <laughs> and, like, living underwater would be amazing. Like, I've got land on lock. I know what it's like, you know. I want to go down there. Definitely. I'm somewhat tempted to try and make a dolphin noise right now, but I don't feel like that's an appropriate way to end this podcast. Kimbra, thank you so much for coming on. You've been listening to Generally Famous. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Go on. It's really quick and easy. I'd love to hear from you. Send your feedback to generallyfamous at stuff.co.nz. And if there's a guest you'd really like me to talk to, contact the same address. Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I what, think Chris? That it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.